Welcome to Dogs vs. All Y'all, a weekly college football podcast where we discuss not only my favorite team, the Georgia Bulldogs, but we talk all things college football, hence all y'all. Be sure to like, comment, subscribe, and look us up on Instagram at Suplex Dinner Club and Go Dogs. We're live. We're live. What's happening, fellas? How y'all feeling? Oh man, I'm feeling great. Happy to be back on. We're we're same same. Just another uh, just another good talk about college football. Hell yeah, hell yeah. All right, listeners, welcome back to another episode of Dogs versus All Y'all. Um, on this episode, this is a special one, y'all. This is a special one. I got reinforcements. Once a month, we have our college football roundtable where we discuss some of the hot topics. Uh. I guess, get some reactions from fans about this sport that we love, which is college football. So I'm very honored to have two returning guests of Suplex Dinner Club. Introducing first, the good brother, the big black supernova. He's representing the men of Troy, and he is also one of my co-hosts on All Marks Pod. So if you like wrestling, check us out. So, Brad, holler at the people, man. Let us know where can they find you. Uh, Yes, Black Supernova. You know I'm at All Marks Pod. I am also at Heroes After Dark. Uh, It's a comic show, comic series uh, on YouTube. Heroes After Dark. Check me out on Instagram, on YouTube, and All Marks Pod uh, every Thursday morning. Nice, nice. So, if you guys are into comic books, perfect YouTube to check out. They got some cool content over there. So, shout out to those guys. And on my other side, I have my returning brother representing the roll damn tide, the crimson tide of Alabama. He's, he's got a little smoke for him, but he's still representing. What's happening, Eric? How you living, bro? Uh, what's happening is I got some things I need to get off my chest with this, uh, with this team today. So, um, so we, we, might, uh, we might have a good conversation. But other than that, we chilling, bro. It's uh, it's right. just like I said, it's the most wonderful time of the year. Amen, amen. Indeed, indeed. Yes, sir. I always like to start this off with a little icebreaker question to my guests. And today's question, gentlemen, I'm gonna start off with you, Brad. What is the ugliest uniform in college football? Mm, ugliest uniform. Okay, so here's the thing. Okay. I kind of I kind of don't really mind the uniforms. I'm going to tell you what makes them ugly to me. Okay. And I know this is an elitist thing, <laughs> but when you have anything other than Nike on your uniform, it makes the shit trash. The Adidas, the Under, Under Armour, Armour, the Jumpman. No love for the Under Armour? It makes the shit trash. <laughs> if it's not Nike... Take it out of here. <laughs> Amen. Get it out of here. <laughs> all Amen. right. All right. I feel that. I feel that. Eric, what what's your choice, man? What's the ugliest uniform? I got today? I got I got two options. So like if we're talking like ugliest of all time, like all uniforms, all that kind of stuff. Uh that twenty seventeen Florida Gators, uh like the Gator skin one. Where it just looked like they were straight up gators oh, is yeah, that was the rough. ugliest oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. looking pieces of trash that I have ever seen anybody put on. Um, if we're talking regular uniforms, it's got to be the doo doo orange uh, Tennessee Vols uniforms. Um, 
Bow, bow. We starting off with a shot. <laughs> Shout out to our Tennessee <laughs> listeners. Mm, that's that's probably not the only smoke Tennessee gonna get this this podcast. But uh, <laughs> yeah, one uniform that I just have not gotten used to watching or looking at are the Wyoming home jerseys. Those okay. it's like yellow and brown. It's just an ugly color palette. I, yeah, like they're a good team. They're a solid team. Shout out to Josh Allen, but it's an ugly combo. So it's a pretty nasty combo. So those are our takes on the ugliest uniform of college football. All right, gentlemen. And also, we always got to start off with a hot take. We got to start off with a hot take. If Heisman voted ended today, who would win the Heisman Trophy? Eric, I'm gonna go with you first. Seeing who else is on this uh, this panel, they might not they might disagree with me here, but um, I'm gonna go with Michael Phoenix Jr. Kid's been killing it. Um, he's got you know almost 1,700 yards. He's got a 16 to two touchdown interception ratio. Um, he's almost got a 94 QBR. Um, I know Caleb still hasn't thrown an interception yet. He's only like one less touchdown away, but I don't know, man. I, I I just think Phoenix, as it is right now, has just got it. He's mm. he's just good. He's just good. Yeah. It's a lot of that going on in the Pac-12 right now. A lot of that. All right, Brad, what's your, what's your pick, man? Who win the Heisman? You know I got to represent for the home team, and this is complete, complete, complete bias here. I'm going <laughs> with Caleb Williams. Now, his numbers aren't as gaudy as Michael Penix Jr., which would be my most definite most definite runner-up. But for him to come off a Heisman win and still is clearly the best quarterback in the entire nation, um, and he's making it look effortless, and he's doing a lot of different things this year that you can tell is getting him ready for the, the pros, calling out the plays, switching the uh, plays around, according to the defense, uh, which is why I think um, he would be the Heisman. Also, it's so effortless for him. You give him a clean pocket, it's a wrap. Just like a, we had a fourth, I feel like we had a fourth and 12. He got it right out to Brendan Rice touchdown. It was easy money. So my pick is Caleb Williams. I like that. I like, actually, I like both of your choices. But, you know, I got to say it. I got to do it. I believe. All you have to do is believe. And Bo Nix. <laughs> the Pac-12, we've said it before. The Pac-12 has had some terrific quarterback performances, two of which that you guys have spoken about. Also, shout out to DJ Ungale in Oregon State. He's doing oh, his man, thing yeah. and also making Dabo look kind of funny right now. Mm -hmm. uh, Washington State's quarterback, Cameron Ward, he's yes, cooking yes, out sir. there. Of course, yeah, of course, yeah. we got to acknowledge Shador. Shador, I mean, mm -hmm. if not for last weekend, my pick would have easily been Shador Sanders, easily. Indeed. But Bo has been on the roll, man. He's scoring points, scoring touchdowns throwing the ball, running it. He's entertaining. And if you count that Colorado game, because you have to, based on the ratings that are coming out, that was a huge high-profile game, one of which that I would probably argue that neither one of those guys, Penix or uh, Caleb, have essentially 
been on national TV just yet. So that's the only reason why I'm giving Bo the advantage because of that exposure. So if voting were to end today, my Heisman Trophy winner would be Bo Nix. Plus, I got to keep my narrative going because <laughs> I've been consistent about this. So, about yeah, so right. I, I got to keep it going. So we believe here. We are already through a third of the regular season. Do you all even feel feel that way? No, not at all. For me, no. Yeah, ah. yeah. I, I mean, that's the reason why I'm asking. But, but to set this up, we're already through a third of the regular season. We've had some huge games, some intriguing matchups, some huge upsets. And obviously, we've had some overachievers and underachievers. So I want to ask you, Eric, starting off with you, let's talk about the underachievers so far. And I'm going to you for a reason. Well, okay, I have two. Um, Okay. And again, with this panel, this might not be a... uh, a great choice. Uh, Georgia is one. Um, okay. Even though you're undefeated. Um, mm. I think Bobo's play calling is kind of sus. Um, defense looks a little sus sometimes, too. Um, you're, you'll get it together. But as of right mm-hmm. now, like, I mean, the offense just looks stagnant. And it, it, ca- it came alive. It came alive against UAB. But mm-hmm. it's UAB. Um, Fair. I, I, I think you'll be fine, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Just you know the the turnover and everything that you've had the last two years, it's it's, it's a little regressive, but you expect it. Mm-hmm. Um, now for the second one, Adrian, you've known me for a while. Um, you know, I I feel like you and I are kind of along the same lengths with our teams. We're ride or die, but definitely, but we're honest. Um, so let's honestly talk about this shit show team that is the University of Alabama. Um, (laughs) if Nick Saban don't care, Nick Saban needs to get out. He needs to, he needs to take his little headset off, set it down on the sideline somewhere. And he needs to walk his ass on out of Tuscaloosa, go down to Juniper, Florida with his little $15 million home. And he can chill down there. I want a coach that's actually interested in playing this game. Mm. On the sidelines, he is lethargic. He looks like he don't care anymore. That fire is not there. Mm. And I'm tired of it. I'm tired Mm. of it. Mm. Tommy Reese Mm. should have never stepped foot on a football field in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, or in that press box, or wherever his little dumbass sits. He needs to go on back to Notre Dame, just just, and and take Buckner with him. Just, Just slide on back that way. And, you know, I had some smoke for Kevin Steele. Um... But honestly, the defense Kevin, ain't even that bad. Doing his thing, yeah. Defense ain't even that bad. So the only the only reason I think the defense looks kind of bad is because the offense can't sustain a drive long enough to keep them off the field for more than five seconds. Yeah. Um, don't know what's going on with this roster. This is the worst roster that I think that we have had constructed since maybe two thousand seven. Mm. We don't have Ooh. a true quarterback. Although Ooh, I do, honest. I do love Milrow. I now I. I've got the four we're supporting. I like right. Jalen, but and he's the best that we have right now. But he's not. And he's that's, not great. That's what I was gonna say. Yeah. The running back room, solid. Can't I can't I can't be mad at the running back room. 
offensive line and with all the talk that we have about they're so heavy, they're so big, they're so strong, they're so great. Swiss cheese, bro. Texas, they were just like, oh, you you want a free shot? Here you go, bro. Like, what are we doing? We scored 13 points against USF. South Florida, we (laughs) It took us to the the second half to score points. Mm. Mm. And that's after an hour rain delay in halftime. <laughs> like, yeah. what are we doing? <laughs> what are we doing? Yeah. It's pathetic. It is absolutely pathetic. I I told my friend who was a Georgia fan, and we, we decided that this year we were going to be civil to each other. Because... Um, <laughs> Because last year it was it was it was rough. We were we were I mean it was all jokingly, but yeah, for sure. We we were we were kind of at each other's throats. I told him at halftime in the Ole Miss game. I said, "I'm done. I'm done with this team. I will see you in 2024. We are done. I don't <laughs> care. This team is ass cheeks. I am gonna protect my peace this year. Because who made who we block a punt and I'm sitting here like, all right." First and goal on the one yard line. Punch this bad boy in. Let's go. We got the momentum. It's over. Who the hell decides to line up in shotgun on first and goal from the one and snap the ball fifteen yards over his his head? Like, who is calling these dumbass plays? Cause they need to get fired. They need to go. I can do coaches, you know, coaches' suggestion on Madden. I can do it better than Tommy Reese can apparently call these plays. And if Nick Saban mm. saw that man line up in shotgun, he should have called timeout and been like, what the hell are we doing? What are we doing? Right. Turn around and hand that ball oh, off to Jason McClellan and call it a day. Right. What are we doing? That's a fact. Bro, that's a fact. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm, I mostly agree with, I mostly agree with your rant. And, you know, like you said, we're definitely very respectful to each other. We talk a little trash here or there, but, one thing that I've noticed about Alabama this year, they just seem very disjointed. Yeah. Like the whole the whole uh benching of Jalen Milrow, that still doesn't sit right with me. That was no. super weird. And even though yes, they were in damn near a hurricane down there, the way that, that offensive line played against USF, that's concerning, man. You should Barry. just you should just win just being Alabama and, and against the, 90% of your schedule. Just like how I say the same thing about yeah. Georgia. The worst part is, is they kept saying, you know, out of the 121 qualified teams, USF's defense ranked at 121 last year. And I'm like, oh, cool. So that basically means our, our you know, fans in the stands could come in and should be able to score 30 <laughs> points against these fools. But our starting offense can't, can't get a ball past like a three three yard gain three yard gain like what are we doing what are we yeah. doing and the whole Milrow benching I agree something something's not right something right with with the with the words that Nick Saban has used about you know I promised all three quarterbacks they'd get a shot they did that's weird I don't buy that's it. not I don't that's buy not it. Nick Saban I've no. never heard him say anything like that it leads back to when we had that comp- competition in fourteen with. With Blake Sims and Jake Coker. They were like, yeah, both quarterbacks will see the field. Blake came out, did Blake's thing. Coker never saw the field until yeah. next year. So right. I don't something's not right. And I don't know what right. it is, and I don't know how to fix it right now. If that team that showed up in the second half shows up for the rest of the year, 
I, I'm okay. Right. But if, if the if the if the team that showed up for the last eight, nine, ten quarters from the start of the Texas game to, to halftime mm-hmm. at Ole Miss shows up, we ain't got nothing to talk about for the rest of the year because this team's going nowhere fast. I'll see you at the Tax Slayer Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> Brad, Brad, what you got, man? Who's an underachiever so far? I, as I sit and I look at the top five, I got to go with Ohio State, man. Like, what are they doing? What are they doing? And what are what is the AP hanging on to that they're still top four team in the nation? Facts. Um, I mean, Washington's better than Ohio State right now. Um, you can make a case for Florida State being better than Ohio State right now. Uh, you can make a case for Florida. Uh, wait, what did I say? Florida. I said Washington. Oh, okay. Washington. Florida State, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, Washington, Florida State, and not even throw a wild card. Penn State possibly is looking better than Ohio State at this moment. What are we hanging on to? Uh, they have they're getting the best players in the nation, and they they barely scraped by Notre Dame. And I get it, Notre Dame's a tough team this year, but that game was more so gagged by Notre Dame's coach. Yep. Then it was won convincingly by Ohio State. Ten players, man. Ten players. I don't know how he did it. Exactly. Yeah. Are we, and I'm just like, what are we hanging on to? They gagged against Georgia on the field goal. They don't have a QB. Their running game looks suspect. Yeah. Marvin Harrison Jr., is that what we're hanging on to? It's got to be the name recognition. That's the only thing I can think of. That's that's fair, man. That's fair. My underachievers, my underachievers, I got to definitely say, um, I hear you, Eric, on Georgia, but I would counter that by saying, if anything Georgia-related that I'm disappointed in so far in watching the games and everything is the consistency of the defense. Agreed. And main, mainly the line of scrimmage. That's really been something that Georgia has hung their hat on. That's hell. That's what won us that first national championship, dominating the line of scrimmage against y'all. Yep. And then going into that second natty, it's been it's been a thing where we had a Jalen Carter, we had a Jordan Davis, we had a Devontae Wyatt. Mm-hmm. We're still looking for that consistent player, that game wrecker on that line. Should have been Bear Alexander. I'm probably saying it probably should have been Bear Alexander. Yeah. But we don't have him anymore. So one of those guys got to step up. That would be one of those underachievers that I would throw out there. Another underachiever, and probably the biggest one for me, Clemson. Hands down, Clemson. You not only get you not only get beat by Duke, you get bullied by Duke, and you quit versus Duke. For those those people who watched that game, the second half that was an ugly one, and that's something oh, that yeah, for sure. yeah, that's something that we we wouldn't expect of a Dabo coach team. I know I make fun of him all the time, and a lot of other fans make fun of some of the crazy stuff that he says. But when it's said and done, his team quit in that mm-hmm. game, and they had a shot at beating Florida State last weekend. It was a really good game, competitive game. But it was a lot of mismanagement. And their offense isn't clicking, especially considering they brought Garrett Riley. They brought Lincoln's little brother in 
to run that offense. That was supposed to be the cure-all. And right now, they're not in contention for the ACC, which is crazy as hell to me. I would have thought at the very least. Because that should be there. Exactly. Or they're going back and forth with Florida State, running it back at the ACC title to see who wins that. But now now you got to depend on Florida State losing three games. You got to depend on Duke losing two or three games so you can actually make it. So uh, Tax Slayer Bowl may be Clemson. I don't know if Alabama's going to be in it, but I know Clemson may be in it, man. We'll run it back with Clemson. (laughs) Well, at least Bama lost is to Texas, and Texas is – Steadily, you know, yeah, rising up the chart. If, if Texas stay in that top three, mm-hmm. and you guys continue to find a way to win, it doesn't look as bad. No, you lost yeah. to the to a top three team in the nation. And, and SEC schedule just started. We 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 half dominated uh, the game that Lane kind of just gave up on it in the in the second half. Like, yeah, he definitely uh, quit. I don't know what we were doing there, but whatever. I guess trying to make the resume look good for next year. When he's our head coach. Um, <laughs> That's a hot take. I got I got a lot of those. Um, but you know, I agree with you that that Florida State Clemson game, um, outside of that last like three minutes, was a fantastic game. But there was so much clock mismanagement on both yeah. sides. Definitely, definitely. Florida State could have should have went on and won it in regulation. Yeah. But... They seemed so rushed and like they were. It, fe- it seemed like they were a fish out of water. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it wasn't that level of calmness that you would expect of someone that's going to make a playoff run. So and with Travis hurt, it kind of, you know, I wonder. I, you wonder how much that plays into it. True, very true. All right, so let's let's talk about the overachievers. Um, I'm gonna start with you, Brad. What what team? What player can you focus on and saying? He he or they have overachieved so far. Um, man, you just mentioned his name, Bear Alexander. Man, he's been a wrecking ball for our defensive line, and you can tell the guys that we got from the SEC play a whole different style of football from the Pac-12. Marshawn Lloyd, he's a violent, aggressive runner, yeah, man. Like, yeah. like he is a beast, and Bear Alexander. Forget about it. Forget about it. <laughs> he's yo, listen, he's my favorite defender in the nation right now. That kid, man, listen. Oh my gosh, he's a beast, man. He's a he's a bear. That's exactly what it is. He gets after it. Um, and it seems like he's a leader on that line. Um, they're blowing up plays. I feel a lot more confident at the end of the game when Bear is out there. And I know he's going to at least give it a thousand percent effort. If we don't make the play or whatever happens, happens, that's fine. But this year I can rest my hat in confidence that that line is aggressive. They're attacking. We got Anthony Lucas from Texas A&M. Yeah, I like him. And it just motivated guys guys that was previously on the team to step their game up, man. So I got to go overachiever right now. Bear Alexander, he's going to be a first-round defensive lineman. Mark my word. I feel that. Eric, what you got? Overachiever. You know, it's it's hard to argue that Colorado is still not an overachiever. It, it, it's still it's still really hard to argue it. They come out mm-hmm. and 
they beat a top 25 team week one. Um, you know, they, they clean Nebraska's clock because Nebraska apparently forgot how to play football um, for the last 20 years. Um, adversity at Colorado State overcame it, even with Travis Hunter being hurt. And, and I mean, yeah, they got their clock cleaned against Oregon, but they've still won two more ball games than they won a whole year ago. Not to That's mention, you know, what, the 46 scholarship players that transferred out and the rest of them that quit on the team. That Prime's still working with a cobbled-together squad. Um, yeah. It's just, I, I still think it's hard to argue. And in, in, in terms of players, Shador, I don't think any of us saw Shador coming out and just absolutely dominating the league um, outside of, again, leaving in Oregon. Right, um, right. <laughs> but before that, I meant the yeah. dude damn near already threw Perfect. for a thousand yards. Like, yeah. He's putting up numbers. Absolutely. Like video game numbers, like mm-hmm. Miami versus Denver numbers. But, you know, um, it, it, it's just hard to argue with anything that Colorado not being an overachiever right now. Yeah, I feel that. My, my overachiever is South Carolina. But mainly Spencer Rattler. Like I know, I know they lost against North Carolina in the opener. I know they lost against Georgia. But if you look at those games with Spencer Rattler, the dude is willing and dealing. You know, plus he's getting his head kicked in while doing it because their <laughs> offensive their offensive line is trash. He got sacked like eight right. times in the first week, and. You know, if I want to say he has the highest passing rating in the SEC currently, um, in my opinion, he's performed as the best quarterback in the SEC. So maybe that's speaking a little bit more on SEC play versus anything. But the dude has been balling out, man. The dude's been balling out. And especially when you think about his story of, him getting benched at Oklahoma, an undefeated Oklahoma team. He got benched, even though Caleb was better in retrospect. But the dude got benched, transferred, came to a a used tire of a program in South Carolina, and has actually won some games. And going into this year, where we all thought, they're an afterthought, whatever, South Carolina, he's actually putting up numbers and competing. Is he winning all the games? No, but he's competing. So I would definitely say Spencer is my overachiever so far in the season. Shane keeps that Beamer ball, uh, you know, keeps it true to form because they always have them good quarterbacks, but nobody to to block for them. So (laughs) it's true Beamer ball right there. It's rough. It's rough. But speaking of elite quarterback play, next thing we got to talk about, we got to give some shine to the Pac-12 conference. In their, in their final year of existence, they have blessed mm-hmm. college football with some terrific performances, some classic games, and some wonderful matchups. I remember growing up, Pac-12 after dark was a big thing. If you were a college football fan, you were watching ESPN at 10 o'clock to watch those West Coast games or what grew into what Fox Sports. That's what I remember a lot of USC games were on Fox Sports. We used to watch that. Now, in their final year, we're getting some of the best consistent football 
and best performances oh, from yeah. the quarterback position in that conference. So Most since definitely. he's he's our resident Pac-12 guy, I'm going to let Brad talk to the people. Why is the Pac-12 must-see TV? The style of the Pac-12, um, when it comes to the passing of the ball and the style of the recruits they have, this has always been a thing with Pac-12 quarterbacks. Um, some of the biggest quarterbacks uh, in the NFL has came out of the Pac-12, and some of the best receivers uh, and different things have came out of the Pac-12 um, in college football. So I think it's just a culmination of what they've always been, that kind of that West Coast offense, um, a lot of great quarterbacking, receiving, things of that nature. You have Washington, you have USC, you have Oregon, you have Utah, Washington State, Oregon State. You have a lot of good teams in the Pac-12, and you know it's going to be an SEC-like dogfight to the finish line. Also, we got to call it what it is. The landscape of college football has changed with the transfer portal, right? So you got a lot of kids transferring out west, going out west, taking some of those initial offers they had because maybe something didn't work out for them in Georgia or something didn't work out in Alabama or something didn't work out at, you know, in Ohio State or one of the bigger schools. And they're at a Washington State. They're at an Oregon State. They're at a Cal. They're at UCLA. We can't forget about UCLA. Right now they have two of the most dominant defensive linemen in college football. So uh, it's a lot going on there. We got uh, Rashada out, went out west. Oregon's cleaning up on the recruiting trail. Um, UCLA got, um, what's the quarterback name? I forget the kid's name. But they got him as well. So uh, I just think it's a combination of um, the consistency of what the Pac-12 philosophy is coupled with the landscape changing of college football. Um, but, yes, all these games have been must-see. Um, it's now no longer let's pay attention to USC to see if they make it to compete with everybody else. Now, like I said, you got the Michael Penix. You got the Bo Nix, um, Caleb Williams. You got uh, DJ over there at Oregon State. Um, and Rashad is going to be coming up too, but the Pac-12 is going to be disbanded by that. But I hope the Pac-12 goes out with a huge bang. USC wins the national championship. Of course, I hope. <laughs> but, um, yeah, like it's great it. television like it. for sure. It's definitely great television. All right, Eric, what are, what are your thoughts, man? What are your thoughts on the Pac-12? It's absolutely insane this year. Um, like, right now, as it stands, my top five Heisman candidates are all from the, the Pac. Like that's crazy, ain't it? I, you sit here and you think about it. Nine times out of ten, there's at least three SEC guys. You know, throw throw an Ohio State, throw an Oklahoma, Texas. You know, something like that in there. But like, legitimately, I've got my top five are all Pac or Pac-12 quarterbacks, and I I never would have thought about it. And I mean, you know, we were talking about underachievers too, and the quarterback play at, at in the Pac-12. Look at what Utah's done. Without Cam without, Rising. Without their guy. Exactly. Yeah, like they've been running mm -hmm. the second and third string quarterbacks for the for the majority of the year so far and still undefeated. They beat an SEC team, like, mm -hmm. without their starting quarterback. You know, you believe and, hey, it's it's hard to not believe unless they're playing an SEC team. Um, Caleb Williams, reigning defending Heisman, uh, you mm -hmm. know, like you said about UCLA. M might be the most dominant defensive line in college football right now. 
they're giving you reasons to stay up to watch the Pac-12 after dark. And I'm going to be honest, I had to go to works that Sunday after the Colorado-Colorado State game. I didn't care. I didn't care. I stayed, yeah. I stayed up to 3 o'clock in the morning, watched that whole game, was Definitely. thoroughly entertained by it. Would I do it again? Absolutely. I will do it again. You know, we've got some right. some banger matchups coming up still, and I wouldn't be shocked if two Pac-12 teams are in the playoffs. Would not it would Whoa, not shock that's me. A, that's a hot take. I feel that though. Mm-hmm. I feel that. I mean, that's the reason why I think it's must see TV is you guys have already mentioned the quarterback play. Their quarterback play compared to every other conference is second to none. Like you can take the third and fourth best Pac twelve quarterback, throw him on the SEC on an SEC team with those kind of stats. And he's cooking. Like if Bo, if we had that Bo Nix at Auburn, it would be a whole different story. You're right. A whole mm-hmm. different story. And same thing for Shador. Like a lot of people counted him out just because he played at Jackson State. But dude's been putting up numbers in that offense. Mm-hmm. And another reason why I would say is the coaches. Look at the shift of coaches at the Pac-12 level. Yeah. Now, again, this is their final year there, but when you have somebody like a Lincoln Riley, when you have a Dan Lanning, you know, you have Chip Kelly, one of the best offensive minds in college football. Those are some elite coaches over there. And I know a lot of love gets thrown around. I try to throw it everywhere around college football, but a lot of love is always thrown into SEC when it comes to coaching. But I'm more intrigued with the coaching matchups that I see at the Pac-12 versus what I see at the SEC. Because prior to what Eric is calling a dialed-in Nick Saban, which is almost blasphemy to me, but before that, you're talking about Saban being big brother to everybody. Like, it's no question, right? The only person who wanted smoke with Saban was Jimbo and Kirby Kirby low-key. You know what I'm saying? And then on the East, you're like, Kirby's just smacking around the rest of these guys. So it's not nearly as intriguing as the Pac-12. Pac-12 coaching matchups, you got some of the best young offensive minds in the game getting getting busy over there. there. And shout out to Kyle Whittingham, coach for Utah. He's been there forever. He's a Utah lifer. He was an assistant under Urban Meyer. And... Like I'm pretty sure if a bigger pro I'm pretty sure a bigger program has called him before. He didn't even take the call. Like yeah. you don't see that anymore. So that's that's the reason why Pac twelve is uh definitely must see T V. Mm-hmm. Let's get into this transfer portal. We talked about some of the big acquisitions. Bear Alexander leaving Georgia. Now he's doing his thing at USC. Alabama has greatly benefited in years past from the transfer portal who would probably be the biggest name you would say, Jameis, Jameson Williams, right? Jamo. He, he was buried in the depth chart at Ohio State, which only speaks to the craziness of that room for him not to begin TikTok. He goes to Alabama. He's instantly, if not the, he is, he was the best wide receiver in college football. He was a game breaker. He was the man. So, that just shows how great the transfer portal is, has been to a lot of these programs. And even Georgia, mm-hmm. 
they dibble and dabble with it because we got Dom Lovett. He's doing his thing. And once Ra-Ra Thomas gets going, it's going to be a problem for a lot of teams. At least right. that's the way I feel. So let's let's talk about it. Um, we got a number of coaches who hang their hat on this transfer portal. Hell, Coach Prime is one a prime example. He he wiped the slate clean with his team. He said, "How do you expect me to win with a one eleven team?" Which is facts. <laughs> and went to the portal, got his guys in there, and got busy. And now they're three and one as of recording this. So, Eric, I'm gonna start with you, man. Who is, in your opinion, the king of the transfer portal? Coach Alabama. Nagel. Okay. Okay. I mean, and, and you know, if only I had a list prepared of the guys that we got out of the portal. Oh wait, I do. Landon <laughs> Dickerson from Florida State, Jamison Williams from Ohio State, or which you know. JMO doesn't get hurt. We might be talking one less natty for for Georgia, but shoulda, coulda, woulda. Hey, no, I agree. I agree. I'm Injuries let you happen. Cook. Injuries happen. Yeah. Uh, Toa Toa from Rocky from Rocky Slop. Um, you know, you got Jameer from Tech. Tyler Steen came from Vandy, which I mean, I don't really understand how Vandy got a four star recruit anyway. But hey, <laughs> we'll we'll let him cook. Um, you know, Eli came. Eli Ricks came from from LSU. LSU. Um, yeah. And, and if you want to talk about all those guys, that's that's a lot of money coming in on Sundays for those guys from from the transfer portal. And then, I mean, that's like, that. you know, we've got guys on this year's team, C.J. Dupree from from Maryland. And then, you know, oh, that tight end. Yeah, I hate him. You got to talk him. about Jermaine. I hate him. You got to talk about him. your best wide receiver. I hate him. Don't make you me talk, talk about, about Jermaine him. Burton. Don't make me you talk about, Jermaine talk about Burton. him. That's the best wide um, receiver on your team. Is he? That's sad. That's so sad. Uh, <laughs> Jermaine, um, and then even Tresman Marshall's been kind of doing the thing on defense. So I mean, I can't yeah. really, I can't really be mad at Georgia for for letting at least one of those two go. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, if there's a player out there that Nick thinks is going to be, or well, that Nick thought when he was still interested in coaching. Um, was going to be beneficial for this Alabama squad, go get him. Whatever it took. Um, so I, I can't think of of another squad that has really got that many talented players since the portal started. You know, um, I, I might be I might be thinking of or missing somebody, but. That's a lot of money. Like I said, a lot of money on Sundays are being made from that transfer portal for going to Alabama. So I feel that. it's it's hard to it's hard to say anything bad about it. Okay. All right, Brett, man, who who is your unbiased opinion? Uh who is the king of the portal? I'm just gonna keep it as recent, okay? Um I mean, we got to look at it and we got to keep it real with ourselves, right? We got Bear Alexander. We got Dorian Singer. We got uh, Christian Roland Wallace. We got Marshawn Lloyd. Anthony Lucas. We got Mason Cobb. We got Kenyon Barnes. Um, we end up getting uh, the three-star uh, Jalil Muhammad, who has been phenomenal this season, right? 
Let's go back to last season. We got Makai Blackman. He was over there suffering in Colorado. Mm-hmm. We got Makai Blackman. We picked up the number one wide receiver in the nation in Jordan Addison. Both guys are uh, has a significant role uh, over in Minnesota for the Vikings now, top draft picks. Um, and a host of other players. Uh, right now, I think that Lincoln Riley is the king of the transfer portal. And I'm going to tell you another reason why I'll tell you why. Once the NIL started as a USC fan, I said, oh, man, these guys are going to get this money. They're coming to Hollywood. We're about to get all these great recruits. And it hasn't exactly been that. We've been getting guys that want to buy into the program, be productive, and go on to be pros. And that's what Lincoln Riley has done thus far in just the two years he's been there. The number one, the number one, number one transfer player he got. If we're going to count what Deion brings, we have to count Caleb Williams. He brought over Caleb Williams. We had no quarterback prior to Caleb Williams. Nobody worth mentioning, at least. And he brings over a quarterback who's now the Heisman Trophy winner. Uh, in contention for uh, another Heisman Trophy. Um, So I got to go with Lincoln Riley. We haven't been really slamming it on the recruiting trail, but we have been landing some very, very big key names and productive players through the transfer portal. I feel that. I feel that. And I I would agree with you that Lincoln is the king of the portal. But for the sake of conversation, I'm going to say Coach Prime is king of the portal because, once again, you take a 1-11 team, you clear that entire roster, and you not only add one of the best quarterbacks in the nation, somebody that you trust beyond beyond the game type trust, you add a, a star safety <laughs> in your son. That's what I'm saying. You, you're adding him. And... You add, arguably, I mean, by most recruiting services, the best player in college football or the best recruit in college football in Travis Hunter. You bring them to Boulder, Colorado, somewhere that hasn't been relevant in 30 years. For him to be able to have strutted out a competitive team uh, week one against TCU and going into these future games, I mean, that's that's gonna be my argument, even though okay. you know, initially I would definitely say Lincoln, but I would at least argue that Dion got something to say about that title. Eric, uh, we're we're all friends online. Bradley, Eric, we have plenty of friends and hopefully a majority of them listen to the podcast and they're part of the family and all that. So this is all fun and jokes. But friend of the podcast Gary, one of the good brothers, he wanted to send a message not only to Eric, <laughs> not only to Eric and the Alabama Crimson Tide, but to all <sighs> college football. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and let Gary do his thing. It's your boy Gary Bear coming back at you with another spoiler for all the college football fans around the world. I want each and every one of you to listen to me and listen to me clear. The Texas Longhorns are going to win the national championship, baby. And this is only the beginning. We're giving the SEC a preview of what's to come next year when we whoop all their asses. I'm telling you. TCU, fuck them. Oklahoma, fuck them. 
USC, Ohio State, Michigan, Georgia, fuck them all. We're going to win because we're the best. We're the best in the world. You heard it here first. It's now time for everyone to jump up on the bandwagon and hook them horns because the Texas Longhorns are going to win the national championship, and this is just the beginning of a dynasty that's going to last for decades to come. You heard it here first. Gerber out. I'm not mad at that energy. No, shout that's out, a good shout out to energy. Gary, man. Shout out, shout out to the friend, friend of the podcast, good brother Gary. Um, I'm not mad at that. Eric, do you have any retort to said statement? Horns down. Okay. We'll okay. we'll see. We'll see. He, and he, he he's, he's already said SEC next year. Schedule. He's calling smoke next year. Hey. He thinks he's ready for an SEC schedule, so I mean, let it, let it, let him let him think that Texas A and M thought it too. <laughs> Missouri, I don't know what they were thinking, but they were they were thinking something. Um, I'll, I'll say check, this: Te- Texas is lining up big time recruits, big time players, big time athletes, so they may be one of the ones that transfer over, and it really sticks. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Their I team is that. competitive, but we're going to see what that quarterback do down the stretch. We're going to we'll see, see what he do down the stretch. We'll see what Arch like got to talk about next year, too. Oh, Arch yeah, yeah, talk yeah. about shit. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. All right, uh, my random question that I didn't let you all in on. Have y'all, uh, have y'all played or seen the new Mortal Kombat? Seen I've it. seen it. I have not played it. Okay, yeah, it's fire. It's dope. It's dope. Uh, my random question. If there was a death tournament with college football broadcasters, who would, who would be the, the master, the big boss of the college football broadcast Mortal Kombat tournament? Now, when you say broadcasters, is that anybody that has anything to do with, like, game day and... I'm talking all everything on the board. Pat McAfee. Pat McAfee. Okay. Man took a stolen horse stunner, bro. (laughs) (laughs) He's the only one that's taking a stone cold stunner. So I mean, this this is clearly this is fair. Okay, okay. Can I say someone who is no longer working? Sure. I gotta go with David Pollock, man. Love David Pollock. His insight, his uh, his information on the game. He was always great. I'm still befuddled by the firing of David Pollock. Um, Even over Pat McAfee, I would take David Pollock. Uh, That's fair. And he'll be even more motivated because he's unemployed. What he got to lose. (laughs) I like that one, actually. Yeah. My person's Gary Danielson. Mm. When I look into those cold, dead, beady eyes, (laughs) I know that he's... I know that he's killed a man. I know it. He's got it in him. And if this was maybe 10 years ago, I would probably throw Corso in there. But now nah, Gary, yeah. Gary Danielson's my man. If they do like a tag team, like, you know, sometimes you can do the tag teams in Mortal Kombat. Would True. it be, would their fatality to be listening to him and Vern, Dan, uh, Vern call a, call a SEC game? Cause nah. that's almost killed me before. He would summon the spirit of Vern <laughs> Lundquist. He would, have the dragon snatch your head off that would be Vern Lundquist just 
blah, just clearing your shit. Calling other people's teams different names. And... Correct. Yeah. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Correct. I'm with you now. I'm with you. We love you, Vern. We love you. No, You're a part of my childhood. I'll forever appreciate it. All right, so let's let's get into these game day picks, fellas. We got four games uh, that all these games aren't this weekend. They're through the month of October. Reason why I did that is because we only meet once a month, and I kind of want to spread it out. Just for uh, bragging purposes, I'm going to go ahead and put the standings on for the listeners. David went undefeated last go-round, 4-0. and and it's followed by a whole bunch of three-win guys. You two are included in that. And at the bottom is me and Greg with two wins. Mm. I should have bet. I should have bet prime. I should have bet prime. <laughs> Let's get to this first game. This first game is happening this weekend. You got the USC Trojans traveling to Boulder, Colorado. Colorado's coming off of this loss, coming off of what what I can definitely say has been a super hype train from a week ago. And this week, they're filled in a whole bunch of hate, a whole bunch of mm-hmm. critique, a whole bunch mm-hmm. of uh, long dissertations about certain things. Uh-huh. Who, who are you picking USC versus Colorado? I'm going to SC. I don't think Colorado... Um, looks as bad as they looked the previous week. I think they're going to have some extra added motivation, which I love and I hate because I want them to be super competitive against us because, again, this challenge is, challenge is us. But at the same time, you know, I wanted them to be complacent coming into this game so we could really smack them around. I'm going to go USC. Um, I think we're going to hang up 50. I think they may do 21-28. Okay. But I think we're going to give him a 50 burger. Hurt, hurt. Eric, what's your pick? I got USC, and this ain't even close. Um, mm. I, I'm with you on the 50 burger, but I don't think they're going to put up 21 on y'all. Um, not without Travis Hunter. You, you you saw how lethargic that in, that offense looked without without Travis. They, they double-teamed Horn pretty much the whole game, and, mm-hmm. and, 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 that, and that nullified it. And, and I think, again, because of the hype train and because, you know, you had back-to-back games against top 10 teams, essentially, um, maybe even theoretically with the way that it's been going, I could make an argument for both being in the top four. Lincoln's going to have a point to prove, just like Dan Lanning had a point to prove, like you said. And I don't, I don't think it's going to be pretty. Um, mm. And I think they're going to have to go back to the drawing board, but at least, at least it doesn't get worse from here like you're you still gotta Florida. go to utah that's fine florida florida hung with utah I but you know but i hear you i hear you yeah it, 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 the hype train's gonna piss people off and it clearly pissed dan landing off yeah yeah all right i just hope lincoln doesn't say anything going into the week taking any shots, leave it alone, let's stay focused on a national championship and playing yeah, our I... game. Forget all that fluff, forget his prime time, let's go in there and compete and show them who we are. Fight on! I feel that, I feel that. I'm I'm agreeing with you two gentlemen. I, I do think uh, USC wins and covers. The concerns that I had prior to kickoff, 
the season kicking off is starting to come to fruition. I said, I don't, they have some good players, but behind those good players, it's a little shaky. It's a little suspect. You got more so backups, guys that were backups on other teams. Like that starts to add up. College football, guys are going to get hurt. Guys are going to get injured. That's the name of the game. That's part of the reason why you have the teams on that upper level being able to recruit at such a level and maintain whatever they got going on because of that depth. And you're starting to see that with Colorado. So um, I think this is going to be a rough one, man. I think that I think that USC wins. USC covers. Maybe Colorado starts off a little hot on a drive or two. But then talent is going to win this game, and, you know, that's USC. All right, next game. Next game, we got the Crimson Tide visiting good old Jimbo and Texas A&M. Eric, who's your winner and why? Which Alabama team shows up? That's pretty Fair much. Fair point. That's, that's, that's where I'm at. Um, on paper, it should be us. It should be us probably by at least two touchdowns. Um, but game's not played on paper. It's played on the field. And if the team that shows up, that played South Florida, that shows up at College Station, which has been our kryptonite for years, um, all the way back to, to Money Manziel, like, can't, it's been hard to get a dub in, in, in College Station. But... Uh, It could be do or die for Jimbo this year, um, regardless of oh, how much they're Oh, it definitely is. I mean, you know, because they, they said last year, well, not they, but, you know, the, the internet rumor and speculation was that Jimbo still had a job because they were paying him an ass ton of money. Uh, yeah. But how, how many, how many three, four, five, one seasons can you, can you justify even though you are paying him an ass ton of money? I mean... Look at the Plains. Auburn's paying like 72 head coaches right now still because they can't get a winner. Um, I want to say us. I'm going to say us because I can't, I can't, okay. I can't not pick us, but hell, I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm worried about Mississippi State yeah. right now. <laughs> Let's be for real. Y'all, y'all are taking care of Mississippi State, man. Um, Shit. Brett. Brad, what's your pick, man? You got Bama or you got Texas A&M? I'm going to go with Bama here. Uh, one thing about Saban is this. Um, he defeat his foes. Like you say, and Jimbo has smoke for Saban. But Saban does send that reminder out like, ah, ah, my friend. Chill out. <laughs> so, um, so you're saying he's going to big if, brother him. If anything, this may be one of Alabama's best games of the year. And in fact, they may play so well that everybody's going to say Alabama's back that they may go back to what Eric is afraid of. So I got Bama beating Texas A&M. Okay, okay. I'll send you a care package if we do that, brother. <laughs> All right, so both both of you guys are picking Alabama. I got to I got to go with the Aggies on this one, y'all. I got to go with the Aggies. Uh Bama has been very suspect on the offensive end defensive end they've been rolling and like i said eric before i've even said offline 
I would be happy with what Kevin Steele has at least provided you guys, mm-hmm. which is some form of stability. And even with that game against USF, um, where y'all were in that rock fight with them, your defense did a a really good job of holding it down. Yep. Because that game that game should have went another way. You know, if if USF had a little bit more talent on that team, y'all would have lost that game. But 100%. the defense did their job. Dallas Turner, he ball he's been balling out, especially last week. He did his thing against Ole Miss. Like he's starting to take himself up a notch. But with all that being said, it's something about playing there at College Station for Alabama. We've seen it. We've seen upsets in uh, College Station. I personally like what Petrino's been doing with that Texas A&M offense. And even though right now at the time of recording, Max Johnson is that quarterback, you give Max Johnson a week or two to get acclimated as to what's going on, and that offense could be clicking still. So they have weapons on the outside. I still kind of question some of those DBs at Alabama, except for Malachi. I love love him. Malachi Moore is a baller, but the other guys are a little suspect to me. So I got Texas A&M with the upset. All right. Next game, the Red River Shootout. We got Oklahoma, who's been rolling. They haven't really played anybody, but they're rolling nonetheless. And we got Texas. Texas went into Tuscaloosa. They did the impossible, and they beat Alabama's ass, a lot of us can say. So uh, Texas on a run, trying to make a playoff appearance and trying to get a national championship, just like Gary said. So uh, let's go ahead and pick that game. I'm going to start off with you, Brad. Who's going to win, the Sooners? Or the Longhorns? So, um, this may be that early season loss that Texas takes that still gets them in the playoffs. I don't know if anybody's been paying attention to that quarterback and those receivers at Oklahoma, but my goodness, they added Andrew Anthony uh, of from Michigan, of course. And, uh, man, he's been Balling, stretching the field. Uh, I call them three, four, five because they're all number uh, one's number three, one's number four, and one's number five. So three, four, five for Oklahoma's been balling, and their quarterback is a Heisman dark horse as well. I still don't believe that Texas quarterback is the real deal. Okay. So we'll see, we'll see. But I'm going to give Oklahoma the upset here. Okay. I'm going to give them the upset, man. I'm going to go Oklahoma. I know Gary, you're my brother, man. But look, 3-4-5 is dangerous. Okay. I would be shocked if Texas stops those wide receivers. Okay. Alabama doesn't hand out losses um, to just anybody. Um, you know. Good point. Very good point. They make you earn those losses, Ooh, those okay. wins. Um, and... Nine times out of ten, I expect you guys to take those wins and go forth. Um, you know, Georgia has done it. Um, A&M's the only one pretty much that hasn't. Um, and Tennessee, mm-hmm. I guess, last year. Mm-hmm. You beat us in Tuscaloosa. So, Gary, this one's for you, brother. If y'all do not beat Oklahoma, I got nothing for you anymore, brother. You beat that. us at home, which is which is rare. 
it, right. it's more rare than beating Alabama is beating us at home. That's you right. walked into Tuscaloosa, you in, in a night game, yeah, and you whooped our ass. So mm. you better go into the Red River Shootout, and you better look Oklahoma right in their eyes, and you better put up a fifty burger, and you right. better get a dub, or that's a fact. I ain't gonna let you hear the end of it. <laughs> mm. I feel that. Mm. I feel that. Um, last year, Texas scrubbed up Oklahoma in the Red River Shootout. I expect some more of what happened last year. I got Texas winning. I got Texas winning big. The lines of scrimmage, the line of scrimmage is a wonderful tool in college football. And mm-hmm. Texas, right now, on both sides of the ball, they're doing their thing. And I see them dominating Oklahoma. So I got Texas winning that. Okay, last game, last game. The Oregon Ducks, they just came off of a, uh, I wouldn't say monumental. I wouldn't say that. They came off of a good good program win, a good performance, beating Colorado. And Washington, Washington's been rolling also. You got two of the best quarterbacks in the nation, not named Caleb Williams, going back and forth. Hopefully we got to get a wonderful shootout. But I want to know who's going to win this. Eric, is it going to be the Oregon Ducks or the Washington Huskies that come out the victor? It's a lot of amazing quarterback play is going to happen on the field. I think the winner is all of us that actually watch the game because it's Amen. it might be one of the games of the year. Uh, and, we, and we'll be saying that a lot about the Pac-12 this year, and we already have. As, as far as the winner, um, I, I don't believe. Um, I, I know you do, Adrian. Um, but <laughs> we've we've seen what Oregon does on the big stage, at least. Well, we've seen what Bo Nix does on the big stage. Okay. I think it. I think it's going to be a very close game. It's going to come down to last possession. But I think I've got Washington. That might be Oregon's one loss that can still somehow propel them into the playoffs. Um, mm. uh, or the, the Pac-12 can go any way this year, um, but yeah, it can. It, yep. It's it's just it's the most interesting football that's being played right now. But I got Washington yes, in a very very close one. Gotcha. Okay, I like that, Brad. What what you got, man? Out of your Pac-12 uh, foes, who's gonna win? USC is gonna win. No. Um, <laughs> I have uh, Washington winning. Uh, one thing that I noticed about Bo Nix Bo is this. If you get at him, rough that kid up, he's nothing. Mm. He's absolutely nothing. And I think Washington knows that. I think Washington will be prepared for that. And I think Washington has the offensive weapons to uh, trump that Oregon defense. They have two phenomenal receivers. Their quarterback is playing at a super elite level. Um, I have Washington here. I just don't I don't see a case where Oregon can win, to be honest. Okay. All right. Well, I'm, I'm going to go against the grain with this one on you guys, and I'm definitely going to go Oregon. Last year's game, literally the only reason why they lost was Bo Nix got hurt. And Dan Lanning forgot how to coach for like one whole minute. And that cost them against Washington. I think Oregon has made the improvements defensively. 
especially bringing in somebody like Jordan Birch from South Carolina. Uh, Uyangale's brother is a freshman on the defensive line. He's starting to come into his own as a defensive end. I think Oregon brings a fight to Washington and beats them at home. I got Oregon winning in this wonderful matchup. All right, so we're going to keep track of those throughout the month. And next month's roundtable, I'll update the standings for the listeners. So, fellas, we've reached the end of the podcast, man. How, how do y'all feel? I feel good. I cannot wait for us to play Colorado. Uh, again, my wishes is that Lincoln Riley does not feed into the media hype, any of the mudslinging, any of the sideway comments. Let's come out and perform. I'm a fan. We, I want us to win a national championship. I don't care about another Heisman with Caleb. I don't care that we got Lincoln Riley and Southern Cal. I want a national championship. That's all I want. I want us working towards it. I want us dominating, and that's all I want. So I feel good about this week. None of the mudslinging. Let's get back to business. Fight on. I feel that. Eric, what about you, bro? I don't have that kind of energy right now about my squad, but damn, Brad, I'm, I'm here. I, look, I don't even like USC, and I'm over here ready to, to start doing the. Um, I feel better. I, I got I got Good. the bad stuff off my chest. Um, yeah, man. I still I still think that I'm gonna have a lot more to get off my chest, but y'all um, are one and zero. Y'all are one and zero in the SEC West. Look, That's all when, that matter one game at a time. When we run the table, beat Georgia in the SEC title game, get to the natty, win another one, and Saban goes off into the sunset, we'll all just look back on this podcast okay. and laugh about how I, how I like Eric that. overreacted to everything like he always does, <laughs> um, you know. Or when we're in the Tax Slayer Bowl, we'll just look back at it and be like, damn, Eric was right. Eric was spot on. <laughs> uh, Yo, we, um, we're, listen. Me and Eric sound like we're so thirsty for our team to come back to prominence and win a national championship. Like I, <laughs> that's that's the consensus between the two of us. It's Amen. only been three years, but I feel like it's been right. forever. Y'all been spoiled, man. Y'all God, have been and that's spoiled. and that's the one thing. Like I hate it because our fan base is so freaking spoiled, and mm-hmm. I remember the mics, the prices, the shulas, the, the all of them. So I, I, di- I don't take for granted what Nick Saban did, and I know it, it might come off that way, but I just expect better of this program yeah, after everything sure. that we've put together over the last 20 years. So sure. I don't want to come off spoiled, but maybe I am a little bit. But roll tide. But roll tide. Roll tide, Paul. <laughs> if you haven't already, look us up on socials at Suplex Dinner Club. That's the home of two podcast projects that I work on. Mondays, Fridays, we talk college football on Dogs versus All Y'all. We don't just talk about Georgia football. We talk about all things college football, hence All Y'all. And on Wednesdays, you know the vibes, Life and Times Pod, which is short for the Life and Times of a Restaurant Lifer Podcast, where I have conversations with some cool and interesting people that I've met through my years in the hospitality industry. 
Let me know down below what team are you representing. The Suplex Dinner Club family is growing, and I want to know more about you guys. All right, well, uh, gentlemen, like I said again, man, I really appreciate y'all spending a little time with us to talk college football. We all love it. As the listeners could tell, both of y'all are passionate fans. Before you go, let the people know where they can find you. Um, I'm on Twitter because it's still Twitter. Um <laughs> At EJ423X, let's talk uh, Let's talk college football. Let's talk NFL. Let's talk about how Sauce Gardner's a crybaby. Um, let's talk about Taylor Swift. You know, let's, let's just talk. Yeah, what's, yeah, just what's, talk. what's uh, Taylor Swift's and Travis Kelsey's couple name? What's their benefer? Have we we, we come thought up about with that, that today. Um, I, I do have a list of names that I was talking to my doctor about today. Um, I'll try them out on you guys. Um, yeah, yeah. The biggest thing about the NFL weekend was, you know, Miami dropped 70 points. And all anybody could talk about was Taylor Swift. Right. Um, I've got Keller, K-E-L-O-R. Okay. I've got Tacey, Swift-C, um, Trailer. Trailer could be a good one. Swift-C. Swiftie's the winner. I like Swiftie. That's okay. the winner. That's the winner. That's the winner. Uh, and my winner. doctor popped back with Tavis. Um, Tavis is good. I played Swift, football with Swift. the Tavis. Okay. Swiftie. Yeah, shout out to I, him. I'm here for Swiftie, though. Let's, yeah, I like Swiftie. Yeah, yeah. Swiftie. You heard it here on this podcast first. <laughs> Brad, man, let the people know where can they find you and, again, plug the podcast. Uh, yes, so... Uh, the Black Supernova, I am on Instagram. You can follow me there. Um, we can talk, again, college football, comics, uh, collectibles. That's my whole bag. So I am there on Instagram, The Black Supernova. Also, you can find me every Thursday morning, All Marks Pod. That's All Marks Pod, uh, dedicated to the Marks and Professional Wrestling, Professional Wrestling Podcast. Uh, lastly, Heroes After Dark, the YouTube channel, Heroes After Dark. We also have an Instagram page as well. It is the premier comic channel. Uh, we talk all things comics. We show off our weekly hauls uh, and just have a, a, a live, you know, round discussion. And we're having cover battles, too. So check out our cover battle. Yeah, I like that cover battle. Definitely. Definitely. Well, listeners, thank you again for checking us out. Y'all have a wonderful, wonderful weekend of college football. I will holler at you on Monday with a quick reaction recap. And, of course, you know we got to update the hunting season 12 and see the movers and shakers. Who are the 12 best teams in the nation? You know we're going to discuss it. So uh, y'all have a wonderful week. Take care of each other. And, as always, go dogs. Trust your Who the fuck we are? I believe in you. Let's go. Hell no!